chats and cheers, life, pop culture, and everything in between. Plus, we're dishing out unsolicited advice that we wish we were told when we were younger. Everyone's welcome here. We're going to pour another glass of wine, split out the charcuterie board. So grab your drink, sit back, and relax. Do we want to talk about the sweater now or talk about it later? He really did look good in that fisherman sweater. <laughs> there were some really good sweaters in the movie. <laughs> I mean, Chris Evans, very handsome man, but oh, <laughs> that that woolen cable net sweater, and as a knitter on top of it, I just ah, oh, in that pub, play, oh like, my god, a man in a sweater is just sexy. Very fall, cozy that's fall. That's the only good thing about the fall season. <laughs> the cable net sweater. Yes, men in sweaters. Should we clue everyone in and tell them what we're talking about? <laughs> yeah, so it's fall, and that means it's movie time. Woo-hoo! And we watched Knives Out, the first movie, mm-hmm. and I have to admit, it was it was fun. I, I love a good um, see behind the scenes of human dynamics. Yes, it got 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, that tells you a lot. They're not when movies get up there high. No, no, they don't. I love it. It's just, it's a great murder mystery movie, but it was also a murder mystery turned on its head because they basically told you who did it, you know, within the first few minutes of the movie. But then it gets into family dynamics and all this amazing shit. For sure. So I think for me, um, first scene of the movie, they kind of pan and they show the coffee cup and it said like my house my rules my coffee exclamation marks everywhere and that just immediately shows you the dynamics of the family and Mm -hmm. what you are walking into and then with all the b-roll you just see nothing but portraits of harlan the main character or like the the man who's killed and I can't forget about the sculptures either. It was just like, oh, you, yeah. you didn't know where to look. There was always some sort of a picture. <laughs> oh, something somewhere. I don't know who did the props and everything and set decoration, but it was just amazing. And just the attention to detail is amazing. Yeah, because you knew right off the bat that it was all about Harlan and mm-hmm. there was no space for anybody else in this movie, everybody else was always going to be in the shadow. They're going to be a second fiddle every yeah. time. Uh-huh. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> loved it. So amazing. They're not, and they're not even subtle about all the different themes in the movie with the, the murder mystery. And you can tell that this, that the creators of this movie are movie buffs and they're murder mystery buffs. And they're, in, they're very interested in politics and race and class and those family dynamics. It's just, reeks of all these different things throughout the movie yeah because at any given point in time you know that you have someone in your family that you can relate to and go like yeah that's so and so yeah reminds you of your own family in a little way but somebody's saying wow this is really messed up (laughs) (laughs) well if your family is like that my condolences (laughs) so it should start the movie starts with the murder happening and then um we get to the scene where it's a week later and the family is being um summoned to the house to be questioned by the cops and marta shows up marta is harlan's nurse 
and she's a very pivotal character, pivotal main character, and just interesting to see her whole arc in this movie. But when she shows up, she's met at the door by Jamie Lee Curtis, who plays Linda, one of Harlan's children. And it's just interesting when Linda greets Marta, she says, how you doing, kiddo? And you can even tell by the camera angles. We were talking about the camera angles, Mm -hmm. how Linda and the other members of the family were higher in the shots than Marta. Marta was always lower. Yeah, that really showcased and highlighted the family dynamics that were playing out. A hundred percent. Yeah. So she says, how you doing, kiddo? And they just, you know, exchange some pleasantries. And an interesting thing that she said to Marta, Linda, was, um, I thought you should have been at the funeral, but I was outvoted. And it's just very interesting that people say that to Marta, and it just seems so fake. And it wasn't, you know, I feel so bad. I wish you could have been there. It, it, it seemed like a snarky comment. It was just really fake. I mean, fake in the sense that she's an employee, mm-hmm. and... I, Marta knew her her place and her role, so she never really assumed. I think that they were family, despite right. the family just casually throwing out that language. Right, and it's just it's not something you would say to somebody. I with this situation, it just seems like um, we can we'll see this a little bit later. But it seem it seemed to me that Harlan first sought her out as just a nurse to take care of his medical needs. But then after a while, he got to know her and she became more like a companion or confidant for him. So maybe for Harlan, he felt closer to her, but the family definitely didn't seem that way. They might've acted like she was part of the family sometimes, but she really wasn't. She was just the help. For Harlan, she, she being Marta was Mm -hmm. a friend. The only person that didn't actually want anything from him because you know every single other like child grandchild they were all mooching leeching they wanted something from him oh he respected that he just so respected that she could stand on her own two feet and she had some ethics (laughs) yes and it just brings up the point of you can see um the difference between someone being nice versus being kind throughout the movie. A lot of the Thromby family, they only acted in certain ways to be nice. But Marta was always doing things to be kind. I mean, I would see that, you know, kindness is, is similar to being nice. But kindness, I think you would do something out of the goodness of your heart, but not asking for anything in return. She was his nurse. Marta was Harlan's nurse. So she took care of his medical needs. And she was a companion to him. She would get paid for her services, but she never asked for anything in return. So I I really, yeah, I think he really respected her and her work ethic and just her, her character very much. They said the word kind so much in that movie that if you wanted to do a drinking game, that perfect. True. Anytime they say the word kind, there you go. Take a shot. That's so true. It's... It reminds me of a. Have you ever seen Boondock Saints? In no, college? I didn't. They use the F word every other word. So we tried to play it on St. Patty's Day. <laughs> so you didn't get too far before you got drunk. <laughs> tap out early. I'll tap out. Tap out. <laughs> Someday I'll play it for maybe for St. Patrick's Day. Oh. Yeah, but just back to the, um, that family dynamic. It's just interesting how everyone wanted to get love and affection from Harlan. And they had to earn it somehow. 
everyone had their own little games that they would play with Harlan and or little secret ways of communicating as well. And it's just interesting that he, you know, he used all those different games to try to get their trust, but they didn't, he didn't trust them, I suppose. Nobody trusted anybody in that family. It was such a toxic environment and you could just see the codependency, Mm -hmm. the trauma bonds, and you could see that in in a couple of instances, when some of the the characters, the director would focus on the eyes, Mm -hmm. you could see that they, they kind of accepted the relationship for what it was, but they had no desire to shift or change or step out of their own comfort zone Oh yeah. or to kind of work and stand up to their father. Mm-hmm. And it goes vice versa. Like Harlan had regrets. You could tell as well. Oh yeah. Um, you can even see the eye movements and just the squirreliness in the family interviews with the cops with each <laughs> person. It's just it, their accounts of this birthday party are just so different. It's not like it's, off by a little detail but it, it's some people are you see the scene and they're showing whoever's being interviewed is sitting is standing right next to harlan as the birthday cake is coming down the table in front of him each person oh yeah i was next to harlan this, this is oh, exactly how it happened i love the it. embellishment is amazing because every time daniel craig's character he would press a key on the piano it was like the the cherry picked Stepford story that the interviewee was doing then you saw what actually happened behind the scenes mm-hmm. and you just got to see everybody be so human and mm-hmm. so raw and that's what I like the most about this movie oh, this... was that you weren't getting the Stepford version that everybody in quote unquote real life shows you but you got to see everybody at their core Mm-hmm. definitely but I definitely noticed I think that um, where he's pressing the key the key on the piano is just so important because it triggers them immediately mm-hmm. and that's when you start seeing the layers coming off and then you know it's just that one moment it jolts them and they become real and even when they're you know relating their stories um, you see what happens in the scenes and then kind of what they occurred what they created and then what they tell the cops is so different. Oh, it was great where uh, Linda was like, I am not going to badmouth my sibling. And yeah. then they, they do a, a jump cut. And then <laughs> you see the other sibling just like blabbing and tattletelling on like their, like the other sibling. And oh, yeah. Like, Her husband was just like, Walt, Walt doesn't do shit. <laughs> and then Walt's coming back and saying, what? She said, what? <laughs> it was just, you. you could really see you know what it's like when you have siblings but in this case you know they're being interviewed and investigated during a murder but it doesn't matter it's like you get to see sibling dynamics oh 100 (laughs) percent. it's just it's so interesting and uh oh and the immigrant thing is just so they they go into relaying a story where they're all um, around the fire and having a political conversation. Richard, I think, gets into that. And then he brings Marta into the conversation of talking about um, immigration and children in cages. And he just says, come here, Marta. Come in the conversation. And Marta's from Paraguay. She knows what she's, you know, she can contribute to this. 
and um, everybody's like, why are you, why are you like trying to hammer home this, this point? Why are you bringing in somebody that's technically an employee? Yeah. And really it's just, you've, you've more than crossed the line. Right. And you're being extremely disrespectful, Mm -hmm. but whereas everybody was grouching saying, why are you doing that? They didn't really take a more aggressive stance to stop it. Right. Yeah, it's not like it seems like they just didn't care. But it's interesting how in the conversation, it's okay if you disagree politically. It's just it's better to have a dialogue. They weren't having dialogues. They were shouting, having shouting matches at each other and acting like their view was the only view that that was true. And they were right about everything. So I'm just going to tell you what I believe. And you, you know, I don't care. You have to believe it. But someone else comes back and they say, no, this is what I believe. And this is, you know, right way to look at that. And that's just so true of the um, dialogue right now. And it's just, nobody has conversations anymore about politics or other topics, you know, that you disagree on and you can just agree to disagree and still walk away friends or still close family members. It's just interesting to see. And it's just very toxic. It just shows you that where we are right now politically was, written into the storyline absolutely where the loudest shouter wins whether Mm -hmm. you're making sense and talking in complete sentences or not right and bringing in a poor marta like right right in the middle of it but she's not a weak character by any means even though they they kept on using her as what they thought was a pawn Mm -hmm. because she was quote-unquote kind and that she can't tell a lie so she throws up right and somebody told the cops that because when they started to interview her you know she was working through what her story was because um she was worried that she gave him an overdose of pain medication so you know she's going around in her head the things that harlan told her to do as far as to make it look like a suicide and different things but She's so um, torn by everything. And she, you know, like you said, she pukes when she lies. So she's trying to tell fragments of the truth. But you can see, you can even hear the rumblings of the stomach. Because she's there's somebody growling ready to puke. And <laughs> Somebody that's a sympathetic puker. This movie was just not for me. There, there were points in time where right. I had my, the like, the pillow covering my eyes so that I didn't have to see anything. Mm-hmm. But they... Marta's character is there as a juxtaposition mm-hmm. to the raw humanity at its weaker side. Mm-hmm. And she's supposed to be the offsetting pendulum. Mm-hmm. And she's supposed to be and end up being the stronger one for the entire family. Right, 100%. I think that's probably why, you know, Harlan had so much respect for her and he confided in her about everything that was going on with the family. And that's why she was trying not to throw up because she knew everything that was going on with the family, but she could also see in their conversations with um, Harlan. I think he felt a sense of regret and too little too late, but regret for how he raised his children and, you know, he wanted to make things better. So, you know, he saw all those good things in her and he thought, okay, you know, my money will, you know, have a better use, you know, with her because he he trusts that she would be able to um, use her his money wisely. So 
oh boy, he decides to disinherit his whole family and wants to give everything to Marta. We don't find out that that out just yet until the will reading, but you can even tell just in the early conversations and the memories with Marta and Harlan that he has great respect for her and he was able to confide that, you know, regret. And so I think it's just in their, their dynamics very interesting, but she sees a side to him Mm -hmm. that no one else sees. Right. Or is allowed to see. Correct. Mm -hmm. And that is very special. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that the movie actually does show how special of a connection that is. Mm -hmm. And it is a sore spot for several of the characters um, because it's used as a weapon against them. It just a disinheriting. <laughs> but yeah, you can even tell um, Harlan and Marta's game that they play is Go. But it's interesting that he plays Go with his grandson, Ransom, as well, who's the son of Linda and Richard. Um, but it's just interesting. The minute he finds out that Marta always beats Harlan at Go, but um, Ransom cannot, something triggers him in his brain. I think that was the moment he decided to murder Harlan. Because spoiler, <laughs> if you haven't watched the movie at this point, that's that's on you. Yeah. But Ransom, Chris Evans' character, not even when he was being told that the entire family was going to be disinherited, that didn't snap him. Mm-hmm. Grandfather knew that his and Ransom's special language was the game of go mm-hmm. and harlan the the little shit that he is <laughs> used that as a weapon right and really twisted that knife mm-hmm. and that is what snapped and i'm thinking well that's interesting they're not all the characters in the movie are greedy and self-centered here's somebody that snaps mm-hmm. From a personal and emotional side, as opposed to a sense of entitlement. Mm-hmm. The only two characters that didn't feel entitlement was Meg, the daughter of Joni, Joni, yeah, and then Ransom. And I thought, not to say that they were like sparkling humans, right? But they were in the the gray area, definitely. And they their priorities really could have been same, but I think they probably. The ship has sailed. <laughs> well, I I think a good thing that the movie did was show how complex humans are. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they are actually nice people. But you got to see what happens when something is taken away or made uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Now you get to see how the human is going to react, respond. That's when you get to see the the real dynamics, mm-hmm. and I don't know. You don't. It could go either way. <laughs> and then with that, with the knowledge of when Ransom and Harlan had the conversation before he died that he was disinheriting everybody, especially him, and giving it all to Marta. He was upset about him himself being disinherited, but he was also very pleased that everyone else was going to be disinherited as well. So he walked into that will reading 
very smug and just so high and mighty about this. He in, looks so cute in his smugness. In his chunky in his sweater. <laughs> <laughs> with his like tr open trench coat with his sweater. And I'm like, ah, walking like fashion icon there. But oh, yeah. Yeah, no. But every single person in that family enjoyed the pain of the other siblings. Definitely. Very S&M theme. Oh, and yeah. 100%. I, I still remember like my, my, favorite quote is when like Jamie Lee Curtis's character Linda she's like this will be the best thing for you right um, as she's saying it to her son and then lo and behold because karma's a bitch um everybody's <laughs> disinherited <laughs> yeah. and now oh look now you get to eat karma yes jump back real quick there's a pre-will reading when everyone just gathers in that uh, i don't know sitting room or something that three -ring circus. <laughs> and that's when um that's the time when uh, uh ransom reveals that he's been disinherited but he just said it was just him and that's when that uh, jamie lee curtis was mentioning oh this will be the best thing for you i love I love uh, Michael Shannon who plays Walt, one of the brothers, and Chris Evans who plays Ransom. They play off each other so well, and they just bicker and they have this little argument about that <laughs> and saying he's being so smug and Walt saying, "Have more cookies. You want more cookies?" I know the poor Biscoff cookies. <laughs> so good, and I love that the ASMR because Chris Evans they're shopping. At like key moments and just like sarcastically like crunching when other people are talking. Oh, yeah. Because uh, he's playing a game with his siblings as mm -hmm. well. And I love it. So amazing. And then, and then Walt and Richard get into it and they have this like slapping, slapping fight. fight. It's not even a regular, <laughs> you know, fist out fight. It's just, well, honestly, <laughs> that's how most people fight. I think everybody has in their image, you know, the, this like drag out MMA fighting like a but jab or this or that and <laughs> just like grabbing of shirts and it's like very unsexy fight I know <laughs> so they're so good in that scene but so we yeah so going back we get to the will scene and everyone's gathered gathered in a library and Frank Oz you remember Frank I think he was did um he did a bunch of um, Muppet voices or like those that those voices but he was the one who was the attorney who was, <laughs> was a bearer of bad a, news I'm like who Muppet voices <laughs> who are we talking about what character I think he was I don't think he was one of the Muppets like Fozzie or I have to look it up but oh, really? it was just we'll, we'll put it in the, the, the description in case anybody's curious yeah the, the random facts that I know but so it's revealed Marta is receiving all of Harlan's inheritance and family freaks out and they completely turn on her and I never heard this before but um I heard um Joni just shout out um something like she's not our family in this whole chaotic scene that we see it totally makes sense in I their minds I missed that the first time I watched that movie mm -hmm. and here now we're being real yes it's like the real world the fam family yeah. edition cuz as soon as people stop being polite, you can just see what the dynamics shift into what, how real they can actually be when something is taken away from them. It's like they, mm -hmm. they had a, their favorite toy taken away from them. Mm -hmm. 
but at least she's being honest to the face now. Yes. My favorite part was Ransom just sitting in the back laughing his ass off and he's getting off on it. You know he is. And he just stands up, walks out, and then you you know, he passes Marta and Benoit Blanc, <laughs> the private investigator guy. And Marta's just standing there she's shell-shocked mm-hmm. I, you know and then she just needs to get out of the house she's trying to run out of the house and her car wouldn't start i feel so I'm like bad. oh of course of course <laughs> it wouldn't start and the family is surrounding the car banging on the windows and they like what's going on what did you do and she's just i don't know i don't know what's going You're on like you freaking slept out. with him didn't you waking my like, father and then oh my god the young boy the alt right they call him an alt right troll. He called her some very racist thing, and I'm just like, whoa, kid. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> well, you get to uh, see that the entire family they've now been disinherited, mm-hmm. and instead of having this be a moment of reflection, they're yes. just pointing fingers at everybody else but at themselves. Right. Right. And they have a right to be shocked, but mm-hmm. it shouldn't come as a surprise. Right. It's, yeah, their actions were just so toxic, but understandable in the sense that something was taken away from them, so they're in shock. However, you're right. They needed to have some sort of self-reflection and say, okay, maybe this XYZ happened. However, did I have a role in this? What can I learn from this? That's mm-hmm. what I feel like a normal person might think. But when you're in the moment, yeah, I'm sure it's going to be, oh my God, it couldn't be me. This guy it has to be somebody else in that heat of the moment. When when a family member dies and then you have siblings, mm-hmm. you really don't know your siblings until there's money and property on the line. Yes. Um, and throughout the last half of the movie, the family that gets served the karma, mm-hmm. they're like little roaches. And they keep coming to get her to renounce the inheritance. Mm -hmm. And each one of them uses a different method of approaching Marta. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it's threatening with a power move. Oh, yeah. Walt is definitely a good example of that. He has a cane and he comes to Marta's uh, mother's house to see Marta. And he's just thumping, thump, thump, thump with that cane to try to, you know, strong arm her and convince her to give the money back and kudos to her she does not back down at all and she's like oh well then since i inherited it all it's all my resources that i can put against this and he's Mm -hmm. like wait a minute this is not at all going how i envisioned this (laughs) in my head i have made a misstep and Mm -hmm. the, the scene just cuts but i think i was most sad with meg Yes. And um, we were kind of talking about this off mic, but initially I felt like they, because Marta and Meg were so close in age, I felt like they had some sort of kinship, a friendship in in a sense. And um, I know Meg is so young, I could still see her being influenced by the family. And no bigger example of that is when the money is taken away from her. Initially, she's probably saying, oh, my God, you know, I feel so bad. What's wrong with Marta? I hope Marta's okay. But then her mom gets involved and says, oh, yeah, I don't know if I can pay for your schooling anymore, her college degree. You know, I could still have seen some kind of sympathy or just some 
I still felt like there was a little bit of a friendship between Marta and Meg. So you can actually feel for the character because at heart, you could tell that she genuinely cared. But as soon as she had the slightest bit of discomfort, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, there it is. And you yeah. could feel that she felt bad about it. And that's one of the reasons why I actually like Meg as a character, because yes, here's a real human that is both good and has bad qualities. Right. And you can still go, all right, that was shitty, mm-hmm. but I understand where you're coming from. But she was definitely lying about things when she was the one who was being encouraged to call Marta and ask Marta to give the money back. And I don't know if that's just my own bias. I've had some friendships here and there where um, it always seemed like they had good intentions, but they didn't. And I miss that. So I don't know if that was just my own bias coming in and just, I always want to see the good in people. It's just, you're not always going to be able to see it, but I don't know if that would outweigh any of the evil that's in there too. Well, I think you always want to have the opportunity to see people at their worst because that's when you can really see how they are and what the red flags are. And it's like, can I deal with this red flag or can I not deal with this red flag? (laughs) Yes. And yeah, it's just interesting that I missed that in Meg. I was just saying, oh, maybe it was just something was taken away from her. She's heavily influenced by the family and that um, entitlement and the wealth. But I think it was just the family that she grew up in. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And it's just interesting. We haven't really talked about the grandmother yet. Harlan's mother, Nana. Nana. Her name is Juanetta, what we call her Nana. Um, She only says a few key things in the movie. So in addition to her grief, I'm thinking that she's also dealing with a level of regret, just like Harlan had, that she might have raised Harlan in such a way that it might have been a factor in causing that family dynamic to even start. And it's just interesting I could just see that that look of regret in her eyes throughout the movie. And it's interesting. Nobody wanted to talk to her, but they did. They yelled at her. I mean, she might have been a little hard of hearing, but I don't think she really was as hard of hearing as they acted like she was. Daniel Craig spoke to her in a normal voice. Mm -hmm. And towards the end of their brief conversation, she is looking at him dead in the eyes. Mm -hmm. That woman can hear perfectly fine and can speak perfectly fine. Oh, yeah. Because he was speaking to her and coming from a kind place and everyone else, even the scene with Walt and she was standing at the food table and he was saying, Nana, Nana, do you want food to eat? And, you know, treating her like she's an invalid and doesn't know what's going on. Oh, she does. But Linda pops in and said, dude, Walt, she ate a whole salmon plate already. She's good. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, just in the way that the family members treat her is so horrible. It's not out of love. No. It's it's a a sense of duty, but it's like an inconvenience that this woman hasn't died yet. Yes. I'm doing this just to be nice. Okay, good. I, I did my good deed for the day. Look at me. You know this <laughs> happens in everybody's family. Oh, yeah. We definitely saw that near that pre-denouement scene in that sitting room area when Marta was supposed to come in and say whether or not she was going to renounce the 
um, inheritance. And, Nana chuckles. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because uh, Daniel Craig, Benoit Blanc's character, pops in because he got the Park Screen report to find out she didn't actually do it. But she, he's like, she is not going to give this away. And he walks and takes her out. And she's laughing her ass off. She knew exactly what that all Nana meant. Nana has, like, known about it from the very get-go. <laughs> I love Nana's the, the smartest one there. I love Nana. And then we get to the actual scene where everything is revealed in that library and I think oh Marta was the one sitting at that seat with the knives coming all around her in the back and all is revealed the housekeeper who um, Ransom tried to kill actually ended up dying but the hilarious part was do not bring up the chunks on the forehead (laughs) the chunky sweater It was no longer an immaculate, beautiful, like knitted sweater. It was just covered with puke. Well, for for context here, Marta said when the hospital called her while they're having this about what happened, she told them that Fran was going to be okay. And then she puked some ransom and saying, ooh, surprise, Fran died. (laughs) Then you can see his uh, other shift where he just says, I'm going to say this just to you. You're this, you're that. And... (laughs) And then all the jealousy, all the rage, because it then became a sibling rivalry. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then he tries to kill her because right. he's so enraged. Over the fucking Go game. <laughs> he couldn't beat his grandfather at Go, but Marta could. How dare she? And she outplayed him with his shenanigans. I know. And she didn't even have to try. And he's so pissed. He's so pissed. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And then he. Pulls a knife out of that little, you know, display of knives. And of course he picks the wrong knife. And he just tries to stab her, stab her. And it just keeps retracting. And you're like, oh, he says, oh, shit. Well, I turn to you and I'm like, these people are supposedly seasoned cops. And you know, as soon as you get a confession, or even if it's before a confession, you have your primary suspect. Yes. You know that. A human that's cornered, you don't know how they're going to react or have a violent outburst. And everybody is just so, they, they let him get up and approach, and you know it's going to be in a state yeah. of anger. Why are you allowing this behavior? Why are you allowing him to get close enough to even pull a knife, a weapon? Right. He has a little monologue. He grabs his knife. And I'm like, what the And they is? let him stab her like two or three times yes. before they pull him off of her slide him off of her or whatever they did i don't know <laughs> just the way to the camera angle it's just a little weird that, and i'm like they should have anticipated that a little bit better well you know the sidekick guy he was so pleased to find out that marta was lying and he just shouts oh she was lying <laughs> that's a very inappropriate thing to say about the housekeeper who just died well, he was enjoying the show. And I'm just like, are these cops actually doing anything? <laughs> well, the cop is the, the sidekick cop was a super fan. You could tell that from day oh, one. He was fangirling hardcore. Oh, yeah. And when they, they're relaying the story of the housekeeper mentioning this Danica McKellar's Hallmark movie, he knew exactly the plot. <laughs> they, they were just accessories to the entire oh. shit show of family dynamics. Um, so good. But I think I should mention the dogs because it's a great metaphor. Everybody always says a dog can tell someone's character. And you can see that in Marta versus Ransom and how the dogs react to both of them. 
when the dogs come to see Marta while they're in, she's um, with uh, Benoit Block and the cops investigating, the dogs just come up to her and just lick her and, you know, say hi and walk away. When the ransom shows up, they're like, and just so, you know, they're ready to pounce on him. So you can kind of tell even just in those scenes, you know, the, you know, which person is more kind in the dog's eye. The dogs Uh don't lie for sure. But I think the last scene is one of my favorites. You see the perp walk scene where um, Ransom is being walked out to the police car and family is all gathered around the courtyard and inside um, Benoit Blanc and Marta are having just a quick conversation and um, she's asking Benoit Blanc, what should I do? What should I do? And he just says, I, you know, I have my opinions, but I know you're going to follow your heart. Um, I was going to say that she already knows the battle that's coming. She knows that she's now responsible for the little cockroaches. Yep. <laughs> and because they're going to want their pie. They're going to yes. need another king figure mm-hmm. because no matter how much they hated their dad, they can't stand on their own. Mm-hmm. They need a codependency in yeah. their life because you know that they're not going to heal. They're not going to do their their inner child work. Mm-hmm. And um, so they're going to look at her to fill that role. And she then steps out on the balcony, now holding the same coffee mug that was mm-hmm. Harlan's with the, like, my house, my rules, my coffee. Mm-hmm. And now she's the one that's way above every other character. So now mm-hmm. the power dynamic has shifted. It's such a beautiful full circle scene. And you could see each person turning their back on Ransom because he killed their, you know, beloved father, grandfather. But then they're turning towards Marta and looking up at her and saying, oh, okay, this is the person we have to rely on now. You know, they're kind of, it almost as, seemed like they were coming to that realization that she is now that king queen figure for them, like mm-hmm. you were saying. Because they can't be independent. Now, what do you think that Marta is going to do? How do you think, like, if they made an actual sequel, mm-hmm. how do you think that would play out? Do you think that she would have been, like, sucked into the drama? Or do you think that she would have maybe stood firm and kind of actually made some changes? Which is an interesting question because, you know, that's the whole point. And question is, what will she do? Because you know she has a kind heart, so you know she's going to end up doing the right thing. and you know, she does feel for this family. She doesn't have an obligation to them, but I mean, she might have the goodness of her heart, at least try to help them out a little bit. So I think there's going to be a battle of kind versus nice. And, you know, if there was a potential sequel, I could see that whole battle happening. And I think she's always going to stand her ground. She's always going to be that queen figure for them now. And they're not going to like it, but that's the way it is. And they need a codependent person in their life to provide for them you know maybe some of them at the end of that hypothetical second movie could you know change their mind but some of them they're just so sucker in their ways they need some sort of figure to support them mm-hmm. and they will never change oh i really hope <laughs> that at some point they make a sequel like an 100%. actual sequel right not another benoit blanc mystery story we want <laughs> if Ryan Johnson is listening, we'd love to see a sequel to the first movie. 
I mean, I liked the second movie. Oh, yeah. It was nice. It was cute. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, no, let, let's explore this drama and dynamics. We talked about Harlan, how self-centered this guy was. He was that king figure, the head of the family. And now what's that house going to look like, you know, with Marta as the head of the family? So that would be an interesting visual to see. But yeah, throughout the movie, you could see even just that full circle moment with the coffee mug, my house, my rules, my coffee, mm-hmm. you know. This is one of my comfort movies. I always go back to it at any point just because it's so entertaining. It, there's so many elements to it. And the acting is so amazing. I love it so much. So everyone, we're going to sign off here, but expect another episode in two weeks. See you soon. Bye, guys. Bye.